This is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. horror anthology show. Stories about people caught in desperate times and only have one way out. I'm sure you're wondering why you received this tape from a random stranger. But is it really random? Am I really a stranger? Or are we connected in some way to a web of lies and deceit, possibly murder? You see, I hear things, see things. I know everything. To protect myself, I need these stories to be told. Checking a shed. That's all I was doing. Some broken down fucking shack, and I had already checked the other two that were on the property. The rain soaking into my jacket made me a special kind of annoyed. But the damned mud sopping its way into my pant legs as I knelt, picking at the damn lock is what made me really frustrated. The lock was really digging its heels in, and I was praying for it to just give already. It was starting to get dark, and there were four beers waiting for me back home in the fridge. That's where my mind was. The sergeant was on my ass as always, and I knew I wouldn't be able to talk my way into just telling the shed to go fuck itself. I tried for the sixth time to force the lock, hoping it would buckle under old age, but luck wasn't mine. Fuck! Oh, sorry, ma'am. That's all right, I suppose. Just don't make it a habit, please. Of course. My apologies, ma'am. The ma'am that I was apologizing to was named Rita. The reason I found myself on her property, muddy and digging at rusty locks, was, as my sergeant put it, when neighbors start complaining about bones washing up ashore, we tend to take that seriously. I guess he had a point, but I was far beyond the love of the job stage. That blue-eyed optimist bullshit had run out real quick. Maybe it was never in me. But it sure as hell wasn't in that moment. In the mud, having some judgmental woman shaking her head over my swearing... I had radioed over to let the Sarge know that there was nothing unusual in the last two sheds, unless he considered power tools and junk left over from a yard sale to be unusual. 
I chuckled about that. The sergeant didn't appreciate it so much. I was tired. I was bored. But I put on my nice smile to deal with the civilian who had brought me out there. Real sorry, ma'am. Partner's usually on time with this type of thing. And the bastard has my cutters, too. Oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. Excuse the language. I'm not sure what was in this one. Henry never let me in it. He was a very hard worker most of his life, so I never questioned his privacy. Maybe he had a tall redhead stashed away. Oh, sorry, ma'am. Didn't think before. That's all right, officer. I know you were just making a joke. Trying to, I suppose. Wrong time, wrong subject. I didn't really regret anything. I figured that, considering the circumstance, I was damn near justified in anything I had to say. But Rita seemed to be lightening up a bit. I almost saw a smile cross her face when I swore last, so I figured maybe we could just get through this. I stayed friendly. So, Mrs... Just call me Rita. Rita, how long has your husband been gone, if you don't mind my asking? About six months or so. Can't really tell if it feels longer or shorter than that. Still kind of surreal, I suppose. Must be hard. Being alone, I mean, after all these years. I got living alone down to a T myself, but was never married to anyone I preferred to be around. Sorry, I'm rambling. That's all right, I have my moments myself. But you're right about the loneliness. Missing the company is certainly the hardest part. But I also gotta take on more. It's been difficult to manage things lately. I can imagine. The neighbor boy, Rodney, he helps me out. I used to help Henry out, too. Of course, they were pretty close. Well, it's good you got the boy to help you out, at least. He decides to stop lending a hand, just let me know. I'll put him away. <laughs> Don't think it'll come to that. I try not to be a real chatty guy, but I wanted things with Rita to go smoothly. I wanted things to end more pleasant than the first 20 minutes of our meeting, which were mostly filled with awkward silence. And I wanted to know where the hell Meredith was with the bolt cutters. And on top of that, I wanted to know why the hell I had gone through two sheds now and not either one had any cutters in them. I figured it was just my luck. Damn. No luck. Are you sure there isn't a key or something for this thing? Sorry. No. I'm afraid Henry was the only one who had the key. By this point, I was just trying to break the damn thing off, but it was not making it easy on me. This lock is awful rusted. God, when was this made? 1924? I said it was old. And you were right about that, ma'am. I never really had any real glossy moments in my job. Nothing that would wind up in the paper, nothing to brag about at the bar. I'd never dived in front of a bullet, barely even fired one. And I figured that still, somehow, digging at an old shed lock would not go down as the highlight of my career. Motherfucker! <sighs> Sorry, ma'am. Damn file broke off, which would not be an issue if I knew where the hell Meredith is with the bolt cutters. Well, maybe we should go inside to dry off. It's getting pretty late, ma'am, and I'm pretty sure my sergeant wants me to wrap this up. You know, most of the forces at that school shooting that happened at Wilcox West High School this morning. Suspect's still at large, so everyone's kind of tied up at the moment. I can understand that. The shooting I was referring to was especially nasty. 
Some people were saying that the suspect pulled the fire alarm and took down as many people as he could as they fled out. I heard others say it was more of a Columbine-style walkthrough. It was still just happening at that point, and I really didn't know any more than Rita did. After all, I was an inch deep in muck, muttering about bolt cutters, trying to figure out the mystery of the severed limbs. I found it weird that all this was happening at the same time, but I just kept my mouth shut. Figured it was best to stick to pleasantries and business at hand. I wanted to be done. It didn't mean to cause such a fuss for you, officer. Hardly your fault. I think you're gonna have to reconsider my offer. Damn, I I think you might be right. Well, come on then. Unless you want to camp out in one of the other sheds. I wasn't happy about having this little trip here extended, but I figured it was for the best I didn't work myself up into a frenzy trying to get the door open. I followed Rita back to her house. There wasn't much room for conversation between the rain booming down and unsuccessful attempts to shield our heads from what was coming down. It felt like it took hours. Mainly because my boots kept sinking down into the wet grass and dirt that was giving way beneath us. It pained my ankles to keep a quick pace and lift my feet out of the little holes they were sinking into. Finally, I reached Rita's porch. Come on inside, officer. Thank you, ma'am. Just my luck. The thought shot through my head about 60 times that day, and few more strongly than in that moment. Cold and tired and trying to run. Awful out there. You got that right. I was hoping the house would be warmer than it was, but any relief from the rain outside was welcome. The house had a large wood stove in the center of the kitchen, but it didn't seem all that active. The light was dim, but it was enough to see the layout of the home. Let me get us a cup of hot cocoa. I won't say no to that. The stove is down to one burner. I don't have the best luck with utilities. It's not even that old. No idea how to fix the thing. Get your wet jacket off. The house was neatly organized, but full of various items and artifacts. None of them seemed all that interesting. Looked to me to just be a hoard of knickknacks and decorative objects. The kitchen had lights on, but the rest of the house was pretty dark. It felt lonely, and for a moment, my agitation with Rita and the situation changed to sympathy. Are you sure there isn't anything in the house that can be used to get the lock off? No. Sorry. Any tools we had, we always kept in the sheds. Well, from what I could see, there wasn't all that much in the first two. I never wanted a bunch of junk piling up on the property. pair of bolt cutters would be nice right about now. I guess Henry hadn't foreseen this particular circumstance. I wouldn't have expected him to. He kept the key to that particular shed on him most of the time. He was always working out there, so... His work clothes were essentially his main clothes. When he died, I expected to find the key in his pocket, but no such luck. Which isn't that odd, considering he lost about everything he owned. Well, I'm sure it'll turn up sometime. Probably when you're looking for something else. That's what always happens to me. By then, though, I hope to have the thing off. I think I'm going to have to take it off the hinges. Got a screwdriver here somewhere? There it is. Meredith must have retreated to our car with the rain and all. Or he got lost. Tends to do that a lot. (laughs) And Henry would have gotten along just fine then. There you go. Oh, thanks, ma'am. Rita. Rita. Once the rain settles down, I'll get right back out there and take off the screws. Hopefully they aren't stripped or anything like that. They shouldn't be. 
That old lock, the hinges, weren't really tinkered with all that much. Excuse me one moment, officer. When Rita walked away, I suddenly felt especially alone. Not just in the sense that I was literally at a point where I was by myself, but more that I felt exposed. It hadn't sunk in until that exact moment that I was putting myself in a dangerous situation. Someone was behind the carnage that had brought me there, and so long as I was in the area, I was no simple onlooker. And so, my dedication to getting the job over with and back into my easy chair was doubled. The whole kitchen made me uneasy. Rita had seemed okay. Maybe a little wound up, but nothing I couldn't deal with. But something about the house simply didn't seem inviting. I wondered where Rita had gone off to. I thought I heard her head up the stairs, which was confirmed a few moments later, when I heard movement in one of the rooms up there. I came across a picture of who I assumed was Henry. It was in a plain frame and was placed beside the sink. I stared into the black and white photo. Henry looked tired, weary. I could relate to that. I kept my ear out to make sure Rita wasn't returning from wherever she had gone off to and kept pacing around the room. I found a few more framed photos, people I couldn't place. I was hoping the rain would let up soon, but its intensity kept up. Most of the appliances in the house were old, outdated. The toaster looked like it was from the 70s. The coffee maker looked even older than that. I heard footsteps upstairs. Then, before long, they were heading down the stairs and back towards the kitchen. I quickly shuffled back to the kitchen table and sat down. Sorry about that. Darn window upstairs won't stay latched. Could feel the draft the second I walked in the house. I don't want to seal it shut too tight, you see. Because then I'll never get it open again. And it gets quite hot here in the summertime. Wouldn't mind a little summer weather about now. Indeed. Rain's not being too nice right now. Thanks for keeping me dry. Ah, don't mention it. Wouldn't want to leave you out there to get soaked. Rita had definitely started warming up to me by this point. I figured maybe it was because I had stopped swearing. Or perhaps she just realized she needed me to help out with this peculiar situation. Her smile had grown wide, and she was studying me. Mm, hopefully the roof will hold up. Been having trouble with that lately. Yeah, you don't want rain getting in. I found myself surprised by my own discomfort. I was on edge, shaky. I had been wanting to get home since before I arrived in the first place, but it had grown into a longing. It was like my gut and my feet were trying to tell me that this was not an area I wanted to be in. I doubted I was in any danger with Rita, in her kitchen, drinking hot chocolate out of a teacup. But something strange was happening in the area, and if it had touched this lonely woman, it could certainly get to me. I wasn't scared, per se, just more aware than usual that I was in a possibly dangerous situation. At least for now, I was secure in the farmhouse, protected from whatever could be lurking around the property. that thunder wonderful just what i need a damn storm again apologies ma'am we get these quick storms through here now and again should be passing on any minute i thought i heard something out there in the rain it was hard to tell as the rain was booming and the thunder was making itself known for a moment i was worried that it might be meredith i half expected to see my partner knocking at the door bolt cutters in hand but the porch light was on and nothing came to the glass doors that i hoped were locked did you hear something? I mean, other than the storm. 
other than the storm. Like what? Never mind. I'm just hearing things. That tends to happen in this old house. Have you noticed anything unusual lately? I mean, other than the obvious. Believe me, officer. If I had seen anything to explain this situation we find ourselves in, I would have told you right away. Fair enough. I couldn't keep my mind off that shed. At first, it was just a simple annoyance. And I was still sure there was nothing to it, just like with the others. But I still couldn't help but let my mind wander. I imagined all the things that could be in there. <laughs> with my luck, it would be a pair of bolt cutters, laying right there on the floor laughing at me. Finally, looks like it's lightening up. I figured it would soon. I guess I should get back out to it before it starts up again. Well, hopefully it won't, but I get what you're saying. The rain hadn't completely stopped, but had at least receded back to what it had been earlier. I went back to digging at the lock, this time with the intention of just taking it apart at the seams. <clears throat> you son of a bitch. Got it. I thanked God that this plan had worked because I was officially out of ideas. Granted, my last idea was simply poking at the damn lock and cursing my partner under my breath. But I felt genuine relief when my screwdriver lightened the burden and broke the thing. The next step was simple. Go in. The first thing I noticed was the smell. Putrid, overpowering. It was as if a rat funeral had been held just before I got there. I imagined that. Matted, rotten hair in a casket, and it made everything worse. I gagged briefly before forcing myself to have a stronger stomach. I was surprised how overpowering it was, considering I had just opened the door and hadn't even entered. I braced myself and gagged again as I stepped in. Oh, oh. <coughs> oh, God. Oh. God damn it, what the hell is that? <coughs> I had an uncle who used to hunt deer. He used a bow and arrow, and as a kid I thought that was neat. He had a freezer where he would keep venison, just packed into this industrial cold box. He died of a brain aneurysm while on vacation one year, and it was weeks before anyone bothered to head over to pack up his stuff and get his house ready for sale. I went over with my aunt to help out. Something must have shorted out with the freezer because it had broken down some time, presumably early into his trip. The smell of rotting meat when the freezer was opened? It was unprecedented. It was unlike anything I had ever encountered before. That's the memory that the smell reminded me of, and the memory became more and more vivid as I stepped into Henry's shed. The next thought I had was that it was extremely dark. Where the hell is the... I fumbled for the switch, which turned out to be an old pull chain. After pulling it, the light lowly glared for a few seconds before bursting. Damn it! Just my luck. I at least had a flashlight. The place was so dark I could only barely make much out even with the help of the flashlight. It cast a dull, sickly beam, singling out the little bits of dust in the air. The ground felt dirty and disheveled, and I decided that I'd rather not know what I'm stepping on until I had to. I just wanted to do a look-through, thank Rita, and get the hell out of there. Before long, however, the smell grew to a fever pitch, and I realized I had to get the hell out of there, at least temporarily. I shuffled quickly outside, letting the sweet smell of the autumn Christmas overtake the horrid smell I had to endure. My brain was spinning a little bit in that moment. 
I wanted Rita to come back. Not because I missed her specifically, but I wanted company. I squinted my eyes to see if I could zero in on the farmhouse. I just wanted some view of life. More than anything, I wanted to go home. I took the opportunity to light a cigarette and drag deep. I let the smoke out through my nose, ever wanting to do away with whatever little bit of shed smell was still lingering in my nostrils. I briefly considered just lying. Just say I gave the filthy shed a thorough look over and head right on home. I figured there wasn't anything of merit in the other two sheds. Why would this one be any different? But then I thought about the other guys having to count dead children from the shooting, so I silently scolded myself and decided to roll up my sleeves and just get through it. I already missed the reassuring menthol of my crushed-out cigarette when I stepped back into that shed. The smell inside was even worse than I had remembered. It was as if the sensation and I were enemies and it had called for backup. I lifted my shirt up to my nose, hoping to succeed in some kind of barrier. It didn't do much to help, but I couldn't bring myself to take it down right away. I clutched my flashlight like a weapon. It was my beacon in that moment, and right then I felt pretty friendless. My gun, the real weapon, was secure but didn't offer me as much peace of mind as I would have hoped. The scarier thoughts were in the back of my head at first, though. For the most part, I expected to find old stacks of porn, a few beer empties, maybe a pile. I imagined the typical things a man might keep in his mysterious shack while ignoring the scandalous things that could also happen in a private area. I briefly considered the possibility that I hadn't been so off with that redhead comment. Suddenly, I found myself hoping I didn't stumble upon some poor girl who Henry kept in there trapped. I shook my head and laughed at myself a bit. Being on the force for so long, it was hard to remember that most people weren't bloodthirsty or out to get me. At least that's what I told myself. Goddamn smell. <coughs> oh, God. I didn't even care how weak it may have made me look in that moment. The smell was practically haunting me, and the flashlight was only offering a small amount of help. But I pressed on, examining the corner of the room. I don't know why I started with the corners. I guess they made the whole situation feel less intimidating. My feeling of unease had intensified quite a bit over the few hours I had spent on Rita's property, and by the time I was finally investigating the shed, I was apprehensive about standing alone in the center. <sighs> the corners yielded no results of merit. There was a dusty baseball bat in one, an old umbrella in another. There were a few boxes jammed into one of the corners, and I briefly went through them. The boxes contained nothing interesting. A pack of cards, some old clothes, one was just empty. I tapped the empty box gently with my foot in frustration and moved on. I gripped the flashlight and looked around to see if anything major stood out. The flashlight was so dim and the shed was so dark, I could only make out a small bit of the area at a time. I tripped a little bit. The floor was messy and covered. I wasn't sure if it were leaves or something else, and when I shined the flashlight at my feet, I heard something outside. Hello, is someone there? I really didn't like this. The rain was gentle then, and I didn't know if that should make me feel more or less secure. I could hear more clearly what was going on outside, but things had quickly fallen quiet. There it was again. Hello? I managed my way over to a small slit in the wall to try and see out, but had no luck. I opened the shed door and peered out, but saw nothing. This time, I pushed the door up against the wall and propped it open, hoping to air the shed out a bit. 
Damn it! As my luck would have it, the door wouldn't stay open on its own. I pressed on, shining the light around the shed. Part of me was eager to find something so the whole trip wasn't a complete waste of time. Another part of me wanted to find nothing at all, and this was the part of me that was quickly taking over. The flashlight gently illuminated a small work stool leaned up against one of the walls. It didn't look too dusty or used, and I took a few moments to examine it. I think I mainly just wanted a distraction, any distraction to focus on. After examining the stool, I moved onto one of the far walls, kicking at an old broken lamp and a rusty hose. I flashed the beam of light back to the exit. I just wanted the reminder that it was there whenever I chose to leave. What the hell? Again, there it was. Each time I heard the sound outside, my desire to just call it quits and take off grew. But there was more work to be done. While flashing my light around, I came across a shelf with a few tools and objects. While flashing my light around, I came across a shelf with a few tools and objects. It was so dark and I briefly considered trying to find something to help keep the door propped open. But the thought of stretching out this process further seemed unpleasant. The smell was still horrible and rancid. But I had been with it for a while, so I figured one more breath of fresh air and I would be fine. I stuck my head out and breathed in the sweet, natural air once more. <sighs> For a moment, I seemed to be getting my bearings back. Hello. Damn it, hello. Rita? Is someone there? At this point, I didn't even feel like identifying myself as a cop. I just felt like a guy stuck on the wrong side of town meddling in affairs he shouldn't be. I felt that in that moment... I had absolutely no real authority. Hello? Nothing. Once again, I tried propping the door open, but the wind made that impossible. Damn it. Figures. That was it. I decided to get myself out of there. One more quick swing of the light or so, and that would be it. I briefly scanned through the shelf. It was mostly old, dried paint cans and a few brushes. There was a box of tape measures and a jar of screws. Nothing out of the ordinary. All right, fuck this. That was it. I was done. Done playing on Rita's property and done kicking around a pitch black shed for nothing. I started to head toward the door, skipping a bit on the floor, which I found myself suddenly remembering was covered in certain area with some kind of trash. The ground crunched under my feet as I started quickening my pace towards the exit. Just then I bumped into something. Also, although my eyes were not much help even somewhat adjusted to the dark, I could make out a few objects surrounding whatever I had walked into. There it was again. I was beyond certain that I was ready to go. But I couldn't help but check out whatever was next to me. Since I had become aware that there was more in the shed, I couldn't in good conscience just take off. My flashlight scanned the area and I found a large table with several chairs surrounding it. There was a large white tablecloth on the table, and I thought that was odd. The rest of the shed was pretty disheveled and lacking any personality. The tablecloth seemed so clean, untouched. I noticed then, however, that it was decorated by hand with symbols. Some of them looked familiar, maybe from a heavy metal album cover or something. 
When I went to look closer, the hand holding the flashlight knocked over a candle, and I realized there were several large extravagant candles on the table. More than that, they all seemed to be centered around a large book in the center of the table. I heard the sound again, but this time ignored it. I was too hung up on the table I had discovered. I moved the flashlight to the book, and then it all became clear. I read the title, and in an instant, my body tensed up and I felt overcome by the feeling of being exposed and watched. I reached for my gun and unlocked the clasp. There was one word on the book. Ragnarok. That's all it took for me to hastily turn and gasp. Oh shit, it's a cult. It's a fucking cult. I fell. I hit the floor and flailed around in a frenzy. I needed to get to my feet and run as quickly as possible. I had to get back to my car, peel out, hit the radio, save myself. But my legs weren't working right, especially with them slipping and sliding around the trash on the floor. The flashlight fell beside me, and from there I could finally see what the problem was. Bones. There were bones in small piles all around the table. I could only look for a few moments between the adrenaline and panic, but I could tell that many were human. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. I tried to get up but tripped again, this time over something larger. Having completely given myself over to fear, I started shouting and reached for my flashlight. I soon wished I hadn't as I shone the light over what I had just tripped over. Shit! Meredith! Mixed in with the animal and human remains was the badge of my partner, name and all. The surrounding area was a sloppy concoction of gore. Meredith's badge lay beside a pair of what I recognized were his shoes. I didn't have time to imagine the agony and terror that must have been his last moments. Surrounded by horror, I reached for my gun, but it wasn't in the holster. It must have fallen out when I fell. I finally made it to my feet, but it soon didn't matter. I just then realized that the air inside was fresher, the light a little more vibrant. The door to the shed had been opened. I looked up just in time to see a teenage boy, skinny in overalls, holding out a forty-five. I opened my mouth, but there was no time for anything to come out. Both bullets caught me in the chest. I just had enough time to feel the burning sensation of the shots covering the rest of my body as I hit the ground. In those last moments, I moved my eyes up to see Rita move in behind the boy, smiling and handing him over a mug as the two stared down at me. Would you like some cocoa, Rodney? (laughs) Thank you. As my vision got dim and hazy, I was able to make out a few final images. Meredith, clean and perfectly alive, walked up behind Rita and the boy. He had a wide, almost wholesome grin on his face. He put a hand on either person's back and breathed in deep, exhaling with happy relief. I could only make out the first thing he said to them before everything went dark. So, the end begins. Blood Noir, episode 26, Blood Rites, featuring Pete Lutz as The Stranger, starring Lothar Tuppen as Davenport, Tanya Milojevic as Rita, Pete Lutz as Meredith, Paul Miscavige as Rodney, based on a story by Mark Slade, adapted by P.J. Griffin, theme music by Carpenter's Notch and Audionautics.com, 
directed by Daniel French. Credit narration by Nancy Bueller. now. Mutual of Ohm, providing spiritual insurance for your past, your present, and your future since 500 BC, proudly presents Wrinkley's Believe It or Forget About It, bringing you strange but true tales and oddities from all over this wide world. And here is your host, Mr. Robert Wrinkley. Hello, I'm Robert Wrinkley, and lastly, here is the story of Johnny Warden of Halifax, Nova Scotia, who, as second mate of the cargo ship SS Montblanc, miraculously survived the explosion of that vessel on December 6, 1917, and the subsequent destruction of the Richmond district of Halifax, and the deaths of more than 2,000 Haligonians, by the simple miracle of having been in the bed of a prostitute neighboring Fort Sackville at the time. He was known as Lucky Jack for the rest of his life. He died in 1947 in Queens, New York at the age of 62. Interestingly enough, in the bed of another prostitute. Believe it or forget about it. I'm Robert Wrinkley. Ta-ta for now. You've been listening to a special feature of Pulp Paris Theater. Wrinkley's Believe It or Forget About It. Brought to you by Mutual of Ohm, providing spiritual insurance for your past, your present, and your future since 500 BC. This is Gramercy Noun speaking. We return you now to our regularly scheduled program. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together. <laughs>